Welcome to the Leadership Secrets Podcast, where we bring you no BS, practical advice from the experts that are doing it. Now, here's your host, Lee Lissomby. All right, welcome to the Leadership Secrets Podcast. This is your host, Lee Lissomby. This is your no BS leadership podcast where we bring you people who are actually doing it. We bring you top leaders, CEOs of companies, and today is no no exception to that. We're bringing you Hala Taha, who is a CEO of Yap Media. She also hosts the number one uh, business podcast, Young and Profiting. Hala, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Lee. Happy to be on the show today and talk about Thanks leadership. Thanks so much for being on. Appreciate you being on the show. The pleasure is all mine for sure. Uh, yeah, if you don't mind, just give a quick introduction, uh, kind of your background, what you're currently doing, maybe some sure. passion. Sure. So um, my name is Hala. Like you mentioned, I'm the host of a number one podcast called Young and Profiting. I started it almost five years ago now, and it's grown to be a very popular show. I've interviewed lots of very famous people like Matthew McConaughey and Deepak Chopra and some some amazing guests. Um, so I'd love for everyone to check out Young and Profiting Podcast. I'm also the CEO of Yap Media. It's a white glove social media and podcast agency. I tend to work with authors and celebrities, and I help run all of their social media and podcast. Um, and I also have a podcast network where I grow and monetize shows. So I have about 20 shows in the Yap Media Network. They call me the podcast princess. Wow. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> now I get to sleep. Uh, when I was first building my company, I would say I worked like a dog for the first four years. This last six months, I feel like I've been enjoying my life and going on vacations. And yeah, I don't work Very like nice. 16 hour days anymore, but I did to get to where I am. I was reading through your bio. You were starting this when you were still working full time, right? A side hustle for you getting Yes. So I worked at Hewlett Packard and then Disney streaming. And I started this podcast as a total side hustle. I never thought that I was going to make any money. I had a team of interns and volunteers who I trained, who helped me run the podcast so that I could have a full-time job. And it wasn't until I started my agency that I actually started profiting off this brand, Young and Profiting, uh, because the guests who would come on my show ended up becoming my social media and podcast clients. And so then I started to make money. I started to actually hire people. My team got bigger and bigger until finally I found myself at Disney Streaming Services six months after I launched my agency with 30 employees around the world, making four times as much money as I was in my corporate job and just being like, well, I guess it's time to quit. I mean, I already built it this far. I'm not going to go back now. So that's, that's how I became an entrepreneur. Well, that's incredible. 16 hour days. And you grew that. You said you have 60 employees now at yes. your media company. Yeah. So, I mean, it, like I mentioned it, it's the guests that come on my show. And I also built my LinkedIn brand at the same time. So when I launched my podcast, I decided that I needed a way to promote it because when it comes to podcasting, you don't just focus on releasing episodes. You need to actually make sure people are listening to it. And so I was a marketer and a social media expert. And so I decided that I was going to double down on LinkedIn. I didn't even focus on the other channels at all. And I became one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. So 
when the guests came on my show from the start, I had big guests because I was a young woman in a, in a, in a, in the business world, starting a podcast, which five years ago was really innovative. Now everyone has a podcast, but five years ago, it was like <laughs> kind of surprising. Like, wow, you have a podcast and, and people would bet on me and I would get these big authors from the start. And then these people started to become my clients and eventually my mentors, honestly. And uh, that's what enabled me to start the business. Oh, excellent foresight there. Kind of got in on the ground floor. Good timing and a lot of hard work. Yes, 100%. So you're a high-performing individual. I can just tell. I, I follow you on LinkedIn and have for a while. I'm just amazed by some of the things you put out there. It's incredible content. Very valuable, especially for leaders, uh, which is our audience, obviously. But uh, to be a high-performing individual, I think you've got to have some habits. Like, do you have any like personal development habits or professional development habits that you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So one of the things that I love to do is exercise. People don't realize how much exercise actually improves your brain function. And so I exercise every single day, at least for an hour. And even if that means that I'm working out at 10 PM, 11 PM, I don't care if it like just makes me a little bit more hyperactive at night. I need to make sure that I get my workout in. So I think one of the things that people don't quite understand is that when you're overweight, you actually don't think as clearly it's, it's scientifically proven. So keeping my weight under control, making sure I'm working out also coordinating movements. So I love to do like dance type workouts. I do rebounding on a trampoline and, and it's basically like doing Zumba on a trampoline. And so it's lots of coordination and that's also really good for your brain. So I feel like that keeps me really sharp. And even when I'm preparing for a podcast and I'm feeling sleepy or foggy or just not myself, I will jump on the trampoline for like 30 minutes and like clear my head and really get my energy up. I think that's really important as a host to have like really bright, vibrant energy and like kind of keep the conversation going. And so I love to work out. I also, um, you know, in terms of being a high performing individual, competence is confidence. So learning everything about what I do, as I told you, I've been named the podcast princess. I didn't name myself that podcast magazine did. I was on the cover and they named me the podcast princess because I literally know everything about podcasting. I know how to grow shows. I know how to monetize shows. I know everybody in the industry. I know all the technical aspects of a podcast. I teach people how to podcast, right? And so learning everything about your field actually enables you to be a high performer because you've got the experience and the skills to back it up. And that really comes with repetition. So putting in the work I've done, you know, maybe 500 episodes on my podcasts. And that has made me a very high performer as a host because I've done it so many times. And it's not that I was the best from the start. It's just that I've had a lot of practice. That's incredible. I saw in your your bio you you uh, talked about a law of attraction. Uh, do you do you do any kind of meditations or anything with your? I actually am not that great about meditation. I've had so many episodes on meditation. Now yeah. I love to think. I love to take like a salt bath and and kind of just like have my thoughts and maybe that's meditating. I feel like meditating is so weird because I feel like everybody has a different kind of like people will drink their tea in the morning and be like, Oh yeah, I'm meditating. And I'm like, is that really meditating? Or are you just drinking your tea in silence? Right. And so I feel like I probably do meditate, but I don't call it that. Yeah. I think I, I let my mind wander. I do relax. I do try to like, you know, not look at social and not watch TV and kind of just let my mind wander and think, but I don't consider that to be meditation because 
I, it's not like something that I learned from somebody else. It's just what I like to do. So no, I don't meditate, but I do do affirmations and I do work on my self-talk yeah. and I do believe in gratitude and positive thinking. So one of the things that I did, that I did early on in my career that I think really helped set off my young career. So we didn't get into it, but when I was 19 years old, I used to work at a radio station called Hot 97. And it was a big deal. It was the biggest radio station in the world at the time. I was working on the number one radio show. I actually dropped out of school to take this radio internship. Shortly after the radio station, I started a blog site that became one of the biggest blog sites in the hip hop world. Like overnight, three months after I launched it, MTV scouted us. They filmed us all summer, one summer. So I was 24 years old, about to be the next star of an MTV reality show. And all of that happened because I had such an abundance mindset that I cultivated at a young age. So when I was 19 years old, I found the law of attraction. I got really into these authors, Esther and Abraham Hicks. You guys can look them yeah. up. It's sort of like yeah. a cult. Yeah, you know them. Yeah. And so I read their books and, and they talk about the universe and they talk about how to attract abundance and attract and like, you know, create the life that you desire. And so I remember being 19 years old. Previous to that, I was, I would say average. I mean, I would always try out for things and never really make it. Um, I wasn't like the best student in the world. I wasn't the most popular girl in the world. And then like after the law of attraction, like I was all those things. Like I, I was captain of my cheerleading team, got star in all my plays, got this job at Hot 87, almost got a thing on MTV. And like, it was just one thing after the next, after the next. And it's because I literally trained my brain to believe that I was special. And so I would tell myself like, you're the prettiest girl in the world. You're, you know, and I feel like I literally got prettier. I would tell myself, you're so smart. You're going to be so successful, all those things. And I, I would do these affirmations and it, and it did change my life. I would actually record affirmations and I would listen on the phone I would listen in my car while I was driving while I was cooking while I was cleaning and then I really believed it I believed that life was limitless and it wasn't until I had a lot of rejections um, I was rejected by radio I worked at hot 97 for free for three years and by the way when you work for free for three years it's not because you suck people don't keep you around for that long if you suck, you know? And so I was crushing at Hot 97 and doing an amazing job, but I didn't get a paying job because in radio, you really need to pay your dues. And a lot of the on-air personalities, which is what I wanted to be, they'll work for free for seven years before they get a, a spot on the radio, maybe at 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, and then just work their way up. At the time, that was desirable for me because I didn't realize what my full potential was in terms of like financial success. I'm so thankful for the, that no, by the way, because I'm making way mm -hmm. more money now than, than I would be as like a radio personality in a dwindling, you know, industry radio is not even hot anymore. So I'm so glad that I switched gears, but nonetheless, at the time it was a huge failure. So I got fired from hot 97 because I asked for a paying job. Then, you know, I had this MTV show. They filmed this all summer without even letting me know why they pulled the plug last minute. I ended up shutting down my whole website and this thing that I built called the sorority of hip hop that had 150 girls in and out of it. So that was like another rejection that I faced. I also was going to be the co-host on Sway in the Morning on Sirius XM. And they literally hired me. And after two weeks, they fired me. <laughs> they didn't like me. And so I got rejected from Sirius XM. So I got rejected from radio, from satellite radio, from TV, right? So I was depleted. My whole abundance mindset, just I, I totally switched gears. And I 
fell into a basically depression and I was like, I'm never going to make it. I'm shutting everything down. This was when I had strawberry month. That was the last straw, not getting MTV. I'm shutting everything down. I'm going to go back to school, get my MBA. I want to start a whole new career. I want to be normal, get a real job. And that's when I went into corporate marketing and I started working at HP and Disney. Then four years into my career at HP, I did really well because I was an entrepreneur within the organization and I learned everything on the internet before then when everybody else was in this corporate job getting institutional knowledge in their early 20s, I was learning on the internet and being really innovative. So when I got to HP, I was like the most tech savvy person and, and got promoted one thing after the last. I thought I was going to be behind everyone. And I was like way ahead of everyone. And so I got promoted left and right. Four years into it, I got bored. And I was like, I want to go back to my passions. This is not the real me. I was still doing the same type of stuff at HP, I was interviewing the CEO and, and I was president of the Young Employee Network and basically this little celebrity within HP. I was the face of the young employees. That's what they would say about me. And so I just decided, hey, I'm going to start this podcast, Young and Profiting, go back to my dreams. And that's when I started believing in myself again and really believing again that your life is limitless and kind of retraining my brain to believe that I don't have to be like normal, right? I can, I can be special and really go after my dreams. And so to answer your question, I do believe in the law of attraction. <laughs> well, that was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, it's done so much. Like you go through your bio, I'm like, man, you look so young, but you, I feel like you've lived a, a full life already at your young age. So it's, it's amazing to listen to your story and how much you just, plugged away at it because you have a lot of failures. I did. And I, people always joke like, Holly, you sound like you have nine lives. It's just that I, I really went after all these different experiences from a young age. Since I was 19, I was, you know, working at a radio station. Even before then, I had like maybe 15 jobs before I was in college. So I was always yeah. working and, and experiences are so important. People don't realize that a lot of people, especially immigrants, they think like, oh, let's just do school, 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 school. Then, you know, 16 years later, I'll be a doctor or a lawyer or a dentist. And then they're really unhappy because they haven't actually gotten experiences to know what they like, what they dislike. They actually haven't like built the grit to have like a really hard work ethic. They get overwhelmed. I know a lot of people that have become doctors and don't even practice medicine and they feel depressed. like they wasted their whole life. And it's because they didn't go out and get the experiences to really understand what fulfills them and, and where they want to play. So I feel like I got so many experiences. And then I realized like, I always went back to the same thing, using my voice to make a positive impact. And so right now that's a podcast. One day it might be a book. One day it might be speaking engagements. Who knows? So you're working on a book, you said? I am going to be writing a book. Yeah. It's going to be about skill stacking. It's about? Yeah, it's going to be about skill stacking. So I talked to all these really successful people. We were just alluding to this concept, right? And I, I've seen it with my own life. I learned about skill stacking um, from this guy named Scott Adams. And so he's the creator of this cartoon called Dilbert. And Dilbert is this very famous syndicated cartoon across like 50 different countries. And it's about this like guy in business and it's like a funny cartoon. And so Scott Adams, he wasn't the best drawer. 
He wasn't the best. Um, he wasn't the most funny person. He could write well, but he was decently good at everything. He was pretty funny. He was pretty good at drawing. He had business experience. And he put that all together to create a cartoon called Dilbert and it became the most popular cartoon in the world. And so the moral of the story is you don't need to be the best at one thing anymore. You can be pretty good at a lot of things, put that together and create your own unique package. And I see that with so many people out there that are successful. And I, I've seen that with my own story. I learned how to do radio when I was really young. So I had production skills. I learned how to audio edit. I had marketing jobs. So I knew how to graphic design. I knew how to do video editing. I had a website. So I got really good at writing blogs and doing SEO. And I put all those things together and then became the best podcast you know, a top podcast. But it wasn't because I was the best podcaster in the world. It was because I had all these other skills that made me different and unique and it enabled me to kind of propel myself further as a podcaster with these unique skills. Okay. So in the book gonna be out, you know that? No, no, I didn't even start yet. It's just oh, okay. something that I know that I'm gonna start this year. I see. So most of our audience is, is leaders, whether it's frontline leaders or new leaders. Uh, productivity is always something they struggle with. I mean, you've you got a lot of those skills I can tell by, by what you're talking about. Do you have any uh, advice for productivity? Yeah. Um, one thing that I love to do is batch my days. So for example, it, it always evolves based on my career. Right now I'm a podcaster. And so two days a week, I do content days. So before this interview, I interviewed um, somebody named Arthur Brooks. He's a famous author. And then I have your interview and another interview after that of guest appearances. This make sure that I'm in the same frame of mind so that I keep a very productive day because previously when I didn't have the option to have content days, I would go from meeting to podcast to meeting to podcast to meeting to podcast. And yeah. I don't perform my best that way because I have to switch gears and it takes about 20 minutes to like get into the flow of anything. And so it's really good to like batch your days. And so you can do this, uh, in your actual day, like for example, batching your emails in the morning, you know, doing your more kind of monotonous tasks in the late afternoon, like two, three, when you feel sleepy, do the most boring things that do not require your brain, right? Then yeah. uh, later at night is when you get more creative. So around six to nine is when you're more creative. You also get a boost in energy. So you might want to work out during that time. You want to brainstorm during that time. And so I, I tend to follow that kind of flow in terms of my daily routine. So doing really difficult tasks in the morning. The one thing that I don't feel like doing, I try to do first thing in the morning. And I try to have one thing every day that really is like a big project that I say, no matter what, by the end of the day, you have to finish this one thing that you don't feel like doing. And I try to do that first thing in the morning, right? I also try to answer important emails first thing in the morning. Like I said, mid-afternoon is when people tend to get sleepy. You might want to take yeah. a break during this time, take a walk, whatever it is to kind of wake yourself up. You can also choose to do your most monotonous activities at this point. And then, like I said, evening is when you're actually the most creative. Um, other things in terms of productivity is getting enough sleep. So a lot of people kind of neglect their sleep, especially in this like hustle culture. So making sure you're getting nine hours of sleep, making sure you have a bedtime routine, making sure you're not looking at blue light right before you go into bed, having sort of a night routine for me, honestly, I love to work out, take a salt bath and then go to sleep. Like that's like one of my favorite routines to have at night. You asked me about my routines before. Yeah. 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 
Awesome. So let's talk about books, uh, leadership books. Do you have any books that you think people should be reading about leadership or just general advice? Yeah. So one of the books that I would recommend, which is sort of counterintuitive, or I'm going to recommend several books and they're all human behavior related. So Mm -hmm. human behavior is one of my favorite topics. It's one of the main topics that we talk about on Young and Profiting. And essentially it's how to gain influence, right? How to, how to be more likable are some of the things that I think are really interesting for people. And part of that is actually learning how to do it. You can become more likable consciously. That means getting better at your first impressions and understanding how to make a good first impression because people's first impressions of you are super important, very hard to change after the fact. So turns out that people make their first impression of you within 20, 30 seconds, and it's very hard to change it afterwards. So you want to make sure that your first impression is on point. You're on time. You look like you're dressed. You took a shower. You've got great hygiene. You're smiling. You're tilting your head and doing the things that we know are conducive for great first impressions. So in terms of books, um, my first guest, his name was Dr. Jack Schaefer. He wrote The Like Switch. He's been on my show like four times. He's amazing. It's all about how to be more likable. He's an ex-FBI agent. He basically tells you how he got spies who were his his enemies to become his friends and some of the tactics that he used. So some of the things that like some quick tips um, in terms of like first impressions, for example, is doing an eyebrow flash, a head tilt and a smile. So flashing your eyebrows signals that you're not a threat. Actually tilting your head, you're showing this thing called your carotid artery. And dogs do this also when they're saying hello to you. Um, and it's basically saying like, I trust you so much that I'm um, like letting the most like vulnerable part of my body be shown to you, right? So tilting your head, smiling, uh, because smiling obviously means that you're friendly, you're happy, you're positive. So making sure you kind of have those, those just basic skills of being likable. I think it's just so important as a leader. Then of course, gaining influence and you can get really tactical and and go super deep on that. Having negotiation skills, uh, just being able to persuade people. And this will help you in work life as well as your personal life. Um, and, Mm -hmm. And I think that's very important in terms of a leader to have these influence skills. So, oh, sorry. The other book is uh, The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. He was also on my podcast and and it was incredible. Yeah. I haven't read that one yet. Very good. You're obviously very tapped into the podcast industry. Do you have any uh, influencers out there that we should be following? Well, I think that you guys should take a listen to Young and Profiting Podcasts. Mm -hmm. We interview all the brightest minds in the world. So all those authors that I just mentioned have been on my show. Uh, Jordan Harbinger, he is my mentor, one of my best friends. Actually, I think he hit number one today out of all podcasts. I saw him uh, at least on the business charts. And so he's incredible. The Jordan Harbin show is also a good choice. Um, Those are my two favorite shows. Oh, got to check it out. Jordan Harper. Uh, So if you had to give any advice to a new leader, someone who's just stepped into a leadership role for the first time, what would you tell them? I would say manage your highs and your lows and understand that you as a leader, your job is to maintain the energy of your group. So as a leader, and if you're the CEO or in the C-suite of your organization, 
you're not doing the day-to-day labor anymore, right? You're making the decisions. You're on the calls, getting filled in, giving your guidance. You become more of a guide. And part of that role is managing the energy of the organization. And that means if things are going really well, not to get too cocky and not to, not to get too, too excited, show your excitement, show the potential, motivate your employees, but don't get too crazy because things ultimately go down. And when they go down, you don't want to show too much negativity and bring negativity in the group. Also, like just the way that you talk to your people who are reporting to you, talk to them with respect, the golden rule, right? Treat people how you want to be treated. Always think about that. And just be conscious of the words that you use and the things that you say. And especially in a world where everything is sort of typed out, it's like there's written proof of everything. So every email that you write, every text message that you write can be screenshotted and saved. And so always think to yourself, would I want this like emailed out to all of my peers? Would I want my mentor to see this? Would I want this in a headline in a newspaper? And so for me, like one of the biggest challenges that I have a leader is like, I'm an A-type personality. I want everything to be done amazingly, right? I'm very productive. I'm very fast. And so that was a big learning curve for me when I, when my team grew so fast was just being patient and being kind and understanding and, and just like, you know, understanding that no one's going to work as hard as me because it's not their business. It's my business. And just being appreciative of the work that they do do and realizing that my job is to, to maintain positive energy within the group and not necessarily micromanage or anything like that. It's really about keeping, like making sure they know the priorities and that I'm managing the energy effectively. Oh yeah, that's great. Talk about law of attraction a little bit too. I mean, that's part of, I had a a manager that was struggling there too, being likable and just, uh, I, I, advised him to look into it and it helped a lot it helped me a lot too going back to that law of attraction piece of it because I, I wasn't that likable for a long time i was a top personality like yourself so those kind of those small things you don't realize but they're very powerful yeah they are 100 percent. i mean law of attraction i think helps you love yourself you know and, yeah. and loving yourself right. you can love others right when somebody's happy inside that portrays on the outside and how they manage their relationships and the way that they speak and the way that they think even, right? And so law of attraction enables you to love yourself, to believe in yourself. And when you believe in yourself, others can believe in you too and follow you, right? So it's this confidence thing, like I was talking about before, like you need that to be likable and to be followed. You need to have this confidence. And part of that is doing the internal work. Yeah, I think half the leadership books out there uses the analogy of the airplane when the you know oxygen mask come down, you put yours on first, take care of yourself first. Yeah. Or you can take care of someone else. And it's just the same thing. It's like you, if you're not taking care of yourself and loving yourself, then how's anyone else going to love you? So, 100%. All right. What do you think uh, great leaders are doing that all other leaders should be doing? So one of the things that I think great leaders are doing that other people should be doing is, like I mentioned, this energy concept. So one of the ways that I do that in my organization is we have Gratitude Fridays. And every Friday in Slack, we've got a channel that people just say who they're grateful for. 
And surprisingly, I'm like uh, not always shouted out every week, right? It's, 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 it's the employees showing love to each other. So talking about appreciation for their team, or maybe somebody who's in another department who helped them. And so it's just this like love fest that we do every single Friday. And it's not one person who kicks it off every week. It's somebody different who decides that they're going to kick it off today. Sometimes it kicks off at 9 a.m. Sometimes it doesn't kick off until 4 p.m. But it always kicks off every single Friday. And it's just one of the things that I think make Yap Media have its cult, the culture that it has and the collaborative culture that we have. So that's one way that I kind of infuse that culture. I learned another tactic from John Mackey, who's the CEO of Whole Foods. He does a meeting check-in. After the end of every meeting, he has everybody say something about what they appreciate of people on the call. So like they end the meeting giving appreciation to people who are on the call. And that's how he ends every single meeting. So there's different things that you can do to kind of make sure that there's this community of collaboration and love and that that kind of maintained. Um, in terms of other things leaders can do, I think like just being understanding, again, I think this culture of hustle culture has made a lot of us just want to move fast, 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 fast. And, and we don't care who we like kind of bulldoze over in the process. And just realizing that like everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. Um, if something's not working out, of course, you know, you don't need to keep a low performing player on the team, but maybe try to move them somewhere else first before just totally cutting the cord. Cause I've had some great successes actually moving people. For example, um, my VP of operations now started as a copywriter and she was terrible. And I remember it was <laughs> when I first started my business and, you know, she was writing copy for me and it wasn't good. And I kept trying and trying and trying. And then, but she had such a great personality. She was so willing to work. She was so nice. She, she seemed so smart. She just wasn't a great writer. And then I was like, listen, why don't you help me with ops? I really need some help. And she was a superstar. And now she's literally like one of the top people in my company. And I'm so glad I didn't just say, sorry, wow. I don't want to like, you know, I'm going to just let you go. And so I tend to always give people a second chance. I'll put them in a completely different role. I'll try to kind of understand their personality, what they're good at. And I'll try to put them in a completely different role role if I have it open. And yeah. I would say half the time it really works out. Sometimes just no matter where I put people, it doesn't work out. And that's more of a them issue than, than an us issue. And I have to let them go, but give people another shot because everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. And, and most people want to work hard and do a good job. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I was in the Navy for eight years and uh, I was a supervisor at once, one point in my career. And, uh, we had a guy who get kicked out of the Navy, and he was on his last straw. He already lost his rank, and one more negative uh, write-up, and he goes out, dishonorable discharge. And I asked my leading petty officer, I said, hey, let me have him on my shift for a couple of weeks and see what happens. And you know, he, he came in looking like a bag of ass, like his uniform <laughs> looked like he pulled it out of the bottom with his dirty clothes, you know, and he looked terrible. And, you know, I, I got to understand him and know him. And he wanted to be in the Navy. His wife has left him with his two kids. He was uh, struggling financially. Uh, he just was always like, he was at rock bottom. I just started listening to him. And one time he did something good and I wrote, wrote him up for a positive counseling, which is never already done. It's like a unicorn. You never see those. And he just broke down and started crying. And so this is the first time in my career I've ever received positive counseling uh, form and, 
you know, slowly he started changing. Then he got his rank back. Then two years later, he was a junior sailor of the year for our command. He went from being the worst sailor to the best sailor. Wow, that's amazing. And how yeah. nice of it that you were like somebody who kind of pulled out your hand and and led the way. I feel like that's that's a real leader right there. You know what I mean? Seeing somebody struggling and out of the goodness of your heart being like, I see the potential in this person. I want to see if I can unlock the potential of this person and just give him the right tools to become a better version of himself because everybody has that inside of them, you know? And I also try to do stuff like that all the time. Anybody who shows a, like, if they want to try and I have the means, I'm going to help them. Yeah, at the time I had no idea what I was doing and I had a lot of failures too where I kind of pushed people in the wrong way. But that one example, <laughs> I just, I held on to it because I know, man, that, that works. And yeah, sometimes they just need someone to listen to them. And what's positive counseling? I've never heard of that. Uh, what's so it's called, a, it's called a counseling chit and that's built with a C, not an S. And it's short for citation. So I guess the Navy had a negative counseling chit and at some point, in a long history of the Navy, like, well, we kind of need a positive one as well. So you can, at the top of the form, you can write positive or negative, and it's positive, it goes into your file, and it's used towards awards and rank and promotion and all that. And it's a, it's a recognition form, basically all it is. And So basically, he, you you fed him his positives instead of his negatives, and it enabled him to build on his strengths instead of focus on his weaknesses? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. 99.9% of the time, those chits are used as negative to write someone up because they're in trouble. But I tried to do a positive one once. My first time I ever did one, and it worked. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I mean, this is such a great lesson. What you're saying is a great lesson. And I think this is another leadership lesson that I didn't really talk about. Also, you know, as a leader, you tend to always just find the faults, especially when you're busy, right? I'm definitely you know, I, I can't lie. Like I will be like this sometimes. And I have to catch myself where I'm so busy that I'm only telling my team what's wrong. Oh, there's a typo here. Oh, this client's like this. Oh, I need you to do that. You did this wrong. The titles right. like, you know, and it's equally as important to, to stop and be like, Hey, you guys are crushing it. Hey, you did a great job. I and give specific feedback, not just like, Oh, you guys had a, did a good job. Be like, I specifically liked X, Y, and Z. Thank you so much for doing that. Or if somebody goes above and beyond calling that out. And so that's why I love gratitude Fridays, especially because it gives me yeah. a, a point in time that I have to take time to think about what are all the unique things that everybody did this week that I want to personally shout out this week and make sure that I'm giving as much time on their strengths as I am their weaknesses or the good things they did as much as the bad things. Because I think people can really get demotivated. Right. And I feel like people will be what you want them to be. If you keep saying somebody's bad, they're gonna be a bad employee. If you focus on their good, they're gonna want to maintain that relationship with you and not flounder it. So they're gonna keep trying to do better and better and better work. And I've seen that with my best employees. They're always the ones that have started off on a great foot. And then they wanna maintain that kind of like progression and, yeah. and like, you know, rapport with me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. You know, recognition, empowerment, all those are really effective tools. Yeah. Well, Holly, that's the end of our podcast. You want to tell the audience uh, where they can find you, where they can follow you? 
Yeah, surely. Thank you. So my podcast again is called Young and Profiting, but it is for all ages. Some of my best listeners are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. So I highly encourage you to listen to Young and Profiting, also known as Yap Podcast. My name is Hala Taha. You can find me on all the major platforms at Yap with Hala. And I'm also one of the biggest influencers on LinkedIn. You can just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. Thanks, Lee. Thanks so much for being on. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Secrets Podcast. Please join us next time as we bring you more leadership secrets from the people who are actually doing it. See you soon.